from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for the week of August 15th, 2012 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Dustin West. Joined at the table this week by my good friends Sean Thompson, Kathleen Bobbitt, Kevin Close, and John Magi. In this week's show, Kathleen Bobbitt will talk about being a first-time cruiser on board the Disney Dream and her experiences with her grandchildren aboard the ship. And Kevin Close and John Magi will have the review of the Disney Magic and its voyage through Canada. All that plus this week's news and roundtable rapid fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. Well, again, everybody, welcome to this week of the Diz Unplugged. Uh, I am Dustin West, and I am filling in for Pete Werner this week. Uh, he, along with Walter Eccles, are on an Alaska cruise, and uh, they're having a good time. I think uh, Pete's actually going to call in a little bit later, and we're going to have a chat with him. And uh, Corey is uh, out in San Francisco at the Googleplex, so he's learning about Google stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kathy and Teresa or up in Nova Scotia. We don't Scotia. care where they are. They're in the Canada Plex. <laughs> the Canada Plex. Nobody cares. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and get started this week with uh, our housekeeping. Uh, anybody have anything? I do. I got a couple of things for housekeeping. Right. want to remind everybody, Podcast Cruise 4.0, rapidly approaching. Yay! <laughs> Kathleen's already sweating. <laughs> December 8th to December 15th, 2012. Um... You know, unfortunately, as we get closer, the price for this cruise is increasing. So if you're interested at all, please make sure you get your request in. Um, your best bet at this point is going to be to email Tracy Heinrichs. Tracy, T-R-A-C-E-Y-H at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. I forget how to, what her email address was for a minute. And she will get you a quote and get you set up. Um, we are working on pre- and post-cruise transfers for that cruise. As usual, um, again, once you've signed up for the cruise, you're going to be receiving an email that tells you how to go about getting pre- and post-cruise stays as well as transfers. And just a reminder that our guest speaker will be Dave Smith. Uh, he's Disney legend, Disney historian, founder, and former head of the Disney Archives. We had a really great opportunity to meet Dave on our backstage magic trip. Yeah. And wow, what a great guy. He was fantastic. Um very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He was very uh, approachable approachable, and generous. Generous with his time, generous with his knowledge, and he was looking very much forward to the trip. So we hope to have a good time on Podcast Cruise 4 with him. And the other thing I have for housekeeping is Diz Cruise 1.0. That's our Royal Caribbean Oasis of the Seas Cruise, August 24th through August 31st, 2013. It's a seven-night Eastern Caribbean sailing. Um, we are we have contracted group space with Royal Caribbean for this sailing, and as that fills up, we are not going to get any more space. So, if you're interested, please sign up right away. We are still offering free transfers if you sign up before August fifteenth, two thousand twelve, and it has to do with the fact that on that date we are going to have to start 
uh, going to Royal Caribbean and telling them exactly how many rooms we want. So once we have your information, we'll be able to give them a solid number, and that's his cutoff date. So August 15th is actually tomorrow, the day the show is going to go up. All right, well, hurry up okay. and do it. You'll have until midnight, August 15th to get your transfers in for them to be free. And again, email Tracy or you can go to the site. There's uh, That's information available in the um, on the Diz Unplugged boards and there's all sorts of good links and stuff like that. I'm so, looking forward to that. How many how many people do we have so far? Uh, we have almost 100 people signed up for that one and we have a whole bunch of people who are on the fence. Okay. So we're kind of hoping that all get off people, the fence and get on the boat. Exactly. Get off, <laughs> get off the fence because we're not looking for this to be as huge as any of our other cruises. We expect it not to be as big because it's Royal Caribbean and people are not, you know, people are more into doing Disney cruises. But we're hoping as many people will join us as possible because the more the merrier. Yeah. We're going to have a good time. I do have a housekeeping. Okay. Go ahead. Apparently, Pete mentioned uh, last week that there were spaces available for our June ABD trip. Right. Actually, our June ABD trip is sold out. Wow. Um, our December trip is sold out. He also mentioned that there was a possibility of a February trip. And if you're interested, you can email me. I'm starting a wait list, interest list to see if there's enough people interested in going. To I don't have pricing on the trip yet. I don't have any information because it doesn't exist as of this point. Right. Uh, <clears throat> this is basically an interest email. Also, we have next year, we have the Spirit of America trip in May and the Germany trip in September. And there are spaces on both of those available. Uh and our London Paris trip, which is approaching rapidly. Right. It's a few short months away from now. Away. You know what I mean. It's extreme. Right. Um, so that's it. But I just wanted to let people know that if you're interested in being put on the wait list for the June or December backstage magic trip, send me an email. I would. It's very rare that I get a cancellation, but I did just get one the other day. So a single person had to back out. Mm-hmm. So. If you're interested, let me know. Give me your email address. Kevin at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Excellent. I don't know what Pete talked about last week because, okay. quite frankly, we weren't on the show, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't really care. But um, I assume he talked about your our adventures by Disney trip. Which one? The backstage magic we just got off of. The California. California. Yeah, well, I mean... He he talked a little bit about it. You he weren't even paying attention. Either, no, he didn't want. <laughs> he didn't to, listen either, did you? He was he was holding back a lot because he didn't want to spoil any surprises. But. All I have to say is, wow, yeah, wow, wow, wow! What an incredible trip we had. We did some. We did two things, two new things in Imagineering we've never done before. Right. Blew us away. Got to tell you, I'm a jaded Disney fan, <laughs> and I saw something which brought me to tears. Oh, and I'm wow. not exaggerating, and I'm not ashamed to tell you. I was so taken aback by the fact that I got to see it that it actually brought me to tears. I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know if he told you any of this or not, but what we did was they broke us up into two groups because we were too big to do all go together at one thing. He's not talking weight. He's talking number of people. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, they, took, uh, they took one group into one building, another group into another building, and then we sort of came out and passed each other by on the street. Mm-hmm on the sidewalk as we changed places and there was this sort of friendly fun rivalry where people were telling each other wait till you see it you're not gonna believe it we just saw the best thing and then the other group would say no we just saw the best thing no you have no idea we just saw the best thing <laughs> so it was one thing was better than the next and then we all got on the bus and decided it was two best things right it was incredible so this is an incredible trip another reason why pete wants to add a third because he wants right. to do it all again 
Yeah. So. You know what I forgot to mention? I forgot to mention that you guys are back. So welcome back. I know you guys Thank have you. been traveling a lot and you're going to continue uh, traveling. Um, also want to say welcome to you, Kathleen. I mean, this is your first podcast, right? No. No? No. Kathleen's been here before. I've you been have? been here before, yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. But I think this is the first time but it was a short one. Yeah, I don't yeah. think oh, it's the first okay. time she's going to have a, a quote-unquote Story. Segment. Yeah. We're talk wow. Story. She's been it in the be peanut good. gallery yeah. a couple times. Kathleen, but. roving reporter. <laughs> we uh, right. we'd like to stay home more, but Kathleen likes our house so much that she's <laughs> told us we have to stay away. Mm-hmm. Right. I took I took the electric bill and put it in my name. <laughs> <laughs> when we're gone, she has parties. She, she, she has boys, boys over. She does. Oh. Do you have anything else? That's it for me. Anybody else have any housekeeping? I have a few things. Um, we do have a couple of uh, Give Kids the World uh, Diz meets in various cities coming up uh, this fall, uh, first of which is the uh, New York City fundraiser on September 24th at the... Uh, August 24th. <clears throat> no, really, it is, I promise. It is? Yeah, I'm okay. going to it. I'm, okay. August 24th. It's, um, there's a thread on the right. Diz boards about it. I apologize for taking over your little speech here. No, it's okay. But I've kind of tasked two other people with setting it up. Mm-hmm. Gina Marie and She's a Pirate on the boards, and I have to give them total props for this. They've done a great job. There's a sign-up thread. It's going to be at a restaurant. It's $30 a person. It's 24th. I believe it's at 7 or 8 o'clock. I apologize. It's at the information's on the thread. But it sounds like a great time. Yeah. And if you're in the New York area, we hope you stop by. Kevin and I will definitely be there. We're coming into New York a few days early before our cruise that leaves on the 25th so we will definitely be there for that event so it is definitely august 24th yeah i just have it written down wrong for not a problem (laughs) um we also have the uh new england meet coming up on september 14th through the 16th um that's in ludlow massachusetts at least it starts there it goes to connecticut there's all kinds of activities there um we're gonna have a link posted on the show notes for all the information there's a thread with all the information there's also a link where you can sign up to join the meet or you can even sign up to help out if you want we uh we traveled this last trip with a couple of folks who are organizing it Mm -hmm. and they're very excited about something called the big e which is a fair that they have every year it's uh, like it's the new england like you have a state fair the new york state fair this is the new england fair it's all the New England states. And apparently you can get like anything deep fried. You can get deep fried Oreos, deep fried <laughs> Twinkies, yeah. and deep <laughs> fried and deep fried butter. Looks like they're having a Mardi Gras parade and a circus and all kinds of There's actually three days stuff. of events. There's a restaurant, a meet at a restaurant on Friday night. There's um several different uh excursions for lack of a better word, ones right. to the Big E. They are going to the Yankee Candle. Like oh, this Mecca, is, apparently. This is all the buzz that all they can talk about <laughs> is going to Yankee Candle. So that's another thing you can do. And then Sunday is the big meet. Right. And we also are going to have a, uh, a live taping of the show up there as well. So most of the team's going to be up there. Um, they, um, last did you tell you to say that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> he into us. <laughs> They're having uh, – last year they raised over $10,000. And so they have their own – uh, sort of set themselves their own little challenge where they're trying to beat that amount. I have to give credit to Hockey Mom NS and her friends up in Nova Scotia. They just had a meet, and it's my understanding that they raised over five thousand wow, dollars wow, at their awesome. meet. Wow! So that's awesome. And then uh, finally, for for these meets, we have the fifth annual Indianapolis meet. Um, and again, they're trying to beat their high score, as you would say, from last year. Uh, that's going to be on September first. 
uh, from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. at the Hamilton County 4-H camp campgrounds in Noblesville, Indiana. Aaron and his friends work really hard. Aaron Del Prince, yeah, ADP right. on the boards. Uh, they work really hard every year to do this, and we have to give them a lot of credit. They've been at it five years now. Yeah, they've been at it the longest, I think. So good luck to them, too. All right. And we also have a, a few other things in housekeeping. Um, just want to talk about our YouTube page. Definitely want to check that out. Subscribe to our YouTube page. We have a lot of videos. Uh, but most recently, most recently, we had the Orlando Balloon Rides video. Apparently, everybody's liking it. So you should go check that out. It's uh, right there at the top of the page right now. Um, go check that out. And that way I can keep my job. So that, that helps out. It's <laughs> always subscribe. a plus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so your job depends on how many people go to YouTube? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. And the sad part is we don't make any money from YouTube. I know. we got to figure out how to get me some money <laughs> in my pocket. And uh, um, we're also changing up the way we're uh, releasing some of our podcasts now. Um, the Disneyland show, uh, hosted by Tom Bell, is now going to be on its own U- I mean, uh, iTunes feed. So from now on, if you are a subscriber to the Diz Unplugged and you like the Disneyland show, you're going to have to subscribe to a new show. So when you go to iTunes, you'll see the Diz Unplugged, and right next to it, you'll see the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition. You'll now have to subscribe to that. It's its own show on iTunes. It's no longer on our iTunes feed. They have their separate feed. So if you want to listen to it, we highly encourage that you subscribe to their feed. When will that start? Will they have a time to be able to announce that on their own show first? I'm sure they will. Okay. It should be on this next show that's coming up this week. Because uh, we I don't want anybody to miss it. I don't want anybody to right. think, oh, they didn't record a show or, you know, I want to make sure they get the information out there. Right. So definitely check that out. Go on to iTunes. You can uh, go to the, I think, the iTunes store page on iTunes and subscribe to that for free. And that's all I have for housekeeping. All right, and now we're going to go on to John, who has the news for us. I do. Our first news story. Ex-Disneyland worker expected to sue over headscarf alleged harassment. A former Disneyland employee is expected to announce Monday a federal lawsuit against the entertainment giant, saying she was harassed and unfairly removed from her hostess job after refusing to remove her headscarf at work. The dispute between Imane Boudial, who is Muslim, and Disney... And Disney, comma, first went public in August 2010, and after the now 28, after the now 28-year-old arrived at work wearing her hijab or traditional headgear, Bula said she was told that wearing her scarf was a violation of company policy, that she would either have to remove it, cover it with a hat, or take a job working out of public sight. Budla refused. She has not worked at Disney since August 21st, 2010, said Mark Rosenbaum, an attorney from the ACLU who is representing Budla. She filed a complaint with the U.S. Equal Opportunity Employment Commission in 2010 and received a, quote, notice of right to sue from the agency August 8th, opening the door for litigation. Budla's attorney also said her Moroccan client was repeatedly, repeatedly harassed by her coworkers from the beginning of her employment from the beginning of her employment. Uh, she reported that she, re- she said she reported the incident to her managers both verbally and in writing and with no results. Walt Disney Parks and Resorts has a long history of accommodating a variety of religious requests from cast members of all faiths, said Susie Brown, a Disney spokeswoman. However, because we have not seen the lawsuit, we cannot comment specifically about this situation at this time. 
I remember not too long ago they had another situation like this. And uh, following up on that story, she's not the only Muslim woman who said she would not have to work, who was told she would have to work out of sight if she chose to wear her hijab to her Disneyland position. In 2010, Disney officials said they were able to reach a compromise with Noor Abdallah, then a 22-year-old intern from Chicago, and allowed her to wear a fitted blue scarf topped by a barrette-style hat. It's my understanding that other accommodations were offered, and she turned them all down. Yeah. I, the, pro- the only issue I have with this, I understand that there are you know religious ramifications to what she wears. She took the job knowing what... Disney's never been shy about what the Disney look is. Yes. Make it very I mean, clear. You were not, she, this was not, she did not have this job for a year, and all of a sudden they told her, oh, wait, this is what you have to do. She accepted this job based on the fact that she was going to have to wear this costume. You've, all, you've been Disney employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you surprised by how you had a look and dress? You're given the look book. You're right. given the look and book. So it's my understanding that if this was an issue, this should have been addressed at the start. And I understand, it's my understanding that Disney has made numerous attempts to accommodate her, and she's turned them all down. I still believe, I said this in 2010, this is a way to get attention. She's looking for a lawsuit. This is, she's looking to, it's just, it's an attention-grabbing lawsuit. And that's, I think, all it is. And the fact that it's risen up again two years later tells me she's not let it go the fact that it's uh you know religious headdress plays into it obviously disney's taking certain precautions and playing it down a little bit but if for example if you go to uh traditions your first day of traditions that's the first day that you're expected to be in disney look so they should have turned her away at that point. I don't know what kind of accommodations they made for her that day. Okay, well, you know, your first day of work, then you need to kind of change up a little bit. And then she showed up. Well, Disney in general is very accommodating. I work with someone on Main Street who yeah. is a woman who wears a headscarf. Really? But it's made by costuming to match our yeah. costumes. So Here's what really, really bothers me about this story. is the part that says other employees, other cast members made fun of her. And she reported it in writing and nothing was done. Yeah. I got to be honest with you, I don't believe that. I mean, I have worked for Disney and maybe it was the position I was in, but I found everybody I worked with was at least in a public sense very open and accepting and yeah. nobody yeah. really, there was never really any kind of you know, weirdness between people no matter what was going on. And I think if it did happen and she reported it, it would have been taken care of. I find it hard to believe that it would yeah. just been... Right, it, it really feels yeah. it really feels like this is now. Let's add this little to it because now this will make it sound better. Right. Um, it, it, she says, you know, to answer your question, Dustin. She says um, when she first arrived at work wearing it, she was told she couldn't wear it. So maybe it was the first day of traditions. Yeah, could be. So I mean, who knows at what what the timeline was for this happening? But I don't know. Um, well, I have to agree with Kevin because. Could she have chosen a more uh, specific company? I mean, Disney right. is just known for being very particular about everything. Well, yeah, I think Disney has... Also, when you understand when you work for Disney, you play a quote-unquote role. Right. So there's a costume, there's a look that's associated with that role. It's not like working you know, as a cashier for a, a department store. You have to sort of fit a role. And 
I think Disney's very clear of that going forward. All right, and our second news story. Disney to close sales center. Disney's timeshare arm has decided to close both of its remote sales centers in the U.S. Disney Vacation Club, which is based in Celebration, says it will close its Doorways to Dreams sales center on New York's Long Island on November 3, 2012. The move comes a few weeks after Disney announced plans to shutter its other sales center in suburban Chicago. That location, the first Disney Vacation Club sales center to open away from Walt Disney World, will shut down September 14, 2012. Disney Vacation Club also operates a sales center at Tokyo Disney in Japan, which is a key market for Alani, Disney's hotel and timeshare in Hawaii. I just think they don't need it yeah. <laughs> at this time. Well, these came online not that long ago. I mean, only a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, they've only been around for a couple of years, but I think they've kind of realized they don't need it. I don't know that much about the business aspect yeah. of Disney Vacation Club. All I can tell you is I know they're making money. I'm a Vacation Club member, and you should see the stuff they send you. They send you thick, glossy brochures. Yeah. <laughs> they send you these big things with their charts on them, uh, boxes of stuff. So it's kind of like... You know, this department's making money. So I can't imagine they're closing it because there's an issue. I just think they've realized we don't really need it. Right. Well, they chose those two cities because those were their top markets at the time. And I guess people just aren't in the mood to do that when they're at home. They're, you know, it's kind of a, it's not an impulse purchase. but It actually is. I used to work for a timeshare yeah. company. And what's the matter? You said that like really loud and angry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Okay. I used to work for a timeshare company who would do the thing where during the sales presentation, if you didn't buy, you were, it was taken away. You weren't, it wasn't available to you. Yeah. It's, I think it's, well, maybe not Disney so much because people, there's a lot of information out there. But I think in a lot of sales positions, it's do it now before you leave. I have to tell you something. You should go through a DVC, sort of do a, a secret shopper. You'd be really surprised. I've been through the sales presentation. It is so non-pressure. It's almost laughable. Well, I think what happens is I think you would probably find that once people walk away from it, they're out of that honeymoon phase with their, yeah. their vacation. It's like one of those things that I never want this to end. I want this to go on. So, I mean, this is a huge purchase. So I think it's one of those things that I think most places would agree that if you don't get them while they're on vacation, yeah. the, the, the percentage that comes back and makes the decision once they get home is lower than those that agree to buy while they're on vacation. I also think it's interesting. Do you remember when Disney Quest went outside of the parks? Right. Oh, they were going to open those in like every strip yeah. mall in the country? They had one in Chicago, didn't they? Mm -hmm. And it failed. I think... You know, I think unless it's centered around a major Disney thing, yeah. it's hard for them to do it sort of outside of the, the Disney bubble. I love in your news story, you said that we're shutting the doorway to dreams. <laughs> no more dreams. <laughs> we're closing the door. You see, you see them like nailing boards to it, you know. The people show up. Oh, Where's my job? Where's my door? Where's my dream? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And our final news story. Universal works to fill gaps ahead of debut of second phase of Wizarding World. Mm. At the beginning of 2010, just a few months before the opening of Wizarding World of Harry Potter, attendance at Universal Orlando suddenly slumped. The number of visitors to Universal Studios Florida and Islands of Adventure sank 10% in the first quarter when compared with the same period a year earlier. The sharp drop reversed a trend in 2009, which Universal had been reporting progressively narrower year-over-year -year declines. 
The most likely reason, experts agreed at the time, was that consumers were opting to hold off visiting Universal until the $265 million Wizarding World of Harry Potter, then in development for three years, finally opened to guests. Universal may soon soon face the same problem again. Construction is now well underway in Universal Studios on what industry followers widely believe will be the next phase of Wizarding World, a second Potter land, likely themed to London, on the former site of the Jaws ride and the Amity Island-themed setting in Universal. Uh, Universal has not confirmed this, but it's widely known and you know, we've seen those aerial pictures. Although no opening date has been set, most expect the second phase of Potter will debut sometime in 2014-2015. And the closer that gets, the greater threat that travelers will once again opt to defer their visits to the resort. Universal already appears to be taking steps to ensure travelers don't wait. Just two months after finally confirming last December that it would expand Wizarding World, the Orlando Resort unveiled a laundry list of additions for 2012. They include a new character parade and nightly lagoon show um, to go along with the new Despicable Me Minion Mayhem ride, a renovated Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man ride, and a revamped Blue Man Group show. Universal has also taken steps to infuse a sense of urgency into its advertising, branding 2012 as the year to be here. Uh, in addition to the work at the Jaws, at the former Jaws site, Cruz recently demolished a long, vacant soundstage in the middle of Universal Studios. A large construction cr- crane now looms over the site, fueling rumors that Universal is building a copy of Transformers The Ride 3D, which opened this spring in Universal Studios Hollywood. Universal declined to discuss its plans for the soundstage site, but experts say that whatever it is, it will likely serve to plug the gap between now and Harry Potter's second act. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think this article is correct, but I don't think it'll be at such a severe degree as it was the first time because Harry Potter is already here. People are still going to want to come see it. I understand uh, the whole thing about holding off until something's completed. I mean, look at the people who are not coming to Disney World because Fantasyland, you know? Um I get that, but I, I think there's enough right now at Universal to to warrant that. I don't think we'll see it this year or next year, but like I said, the year leading up to the next I think phase. there's always that sense of, I can vacation now, but I can't vacation two years in a row. Right. What do I do? Do I save my money for the thing to open up, or do I go now? Yeah. And it'll be up to Universal. I mean, they're, they're doing a new hotel. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. You know, they're really in this huge expansion mode. It could also get to the point like you get with Disney where it's like, well, they're always doing something new. Right. So how you know how long do you wait before you come? Because you're always going to miss something because yeah. something's always under construction. All right. And that's <laughs> I'm it. not a Universal fan or a Harry Potter fan, so I have very little opinion about it. I was surprised when they first announced the, destru- the destruction of Jaws. I thought that's where that Transformers 3D was yeah. going to go. We couldn't go anywhere in California without seeing signs for that. Right. Universal. Really? So that's huge over there. I'm excited to see what they do with this new Harry Potter. You know, I'm a little bummed that they took those shops that were in the London scenes in the books and put them in Hogsmeade. But that's just me being OCD about mm, continuity. That bummed me, too. It really bums me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to agree with it, right? Me too, then. I think is exciting about it is the rumor we've heard where they're somehow going to connect the two. Yeah. 
Oh, it's my under- it was my understanding that the original description was it was you were going to enter Potter World or whatever it's called mm-hmm. <laughs> from this new area, that this was going to be the arrival. Well, for now it spans two parks, so how... How does the ticketing work on that? It, I look at it kind of like the monorail in Disneyland where you have to go into a separate gate. They're, they're probably going to have like the Hogs, Hogwarts Express or whatever, the train to take you back. That's and, what they're so talking you just about have to doing, yeah. scan your ticket and have a two day, or I mean a two park ticket for that. They, they're going to redo that St. Pancreas station. St. Pancreas. <laughs> <laughs> no, he not. asked about that all everywhere in London. Did we go to the St. Pancreas station today? We're going to go to the St. Pancreas station. Oh, it's not pancreas. No. <laughs> Different. And I agree. How are they going to do the ticketing? Are they going to make you now force you buy a, a two-day, a two-park pass? Yes. If you want to see that. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah, but then then you're going to stop people before they get to this new area and check their ticket? Right. Yes. <laughs> you're no fun. Sorry. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for the news. Well, thank you, John, for the news. And as promised, we do have Pete Werner calling in from Alaska. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing good. Hey, Pete. I'm at Mindenhall Glacier uh, in Juneau right now. If you can see what I'm looking at, this is not the view we normally have when we do the show, but uh, <laughs> absolutely stunning up here. Stunning, stunning, stunning. Very good. Very good. How's the uh, how's the weather been? I know it's summertime, so it's got to be pretty gorgeous. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's like I think today it's probably in the mid-60s up here, um, and... Uh, Yesterday we were in Ketchikan and it was kind of cold and rainy and gray and I kept calling it the cruise to New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> but uh, today is gorgeous, sun's out and uh, just uh, I, the smartest thing I could have done for a shore excursion uh, today is we uh, we rented uh, a Hummer and a driver uh, for four hours, kind of take us wherever we want to go. And this guy, his name is Ron has been absolutely incredible. Uh, so knowledgeable. He's lived up here for 31 years. So knowledgeable about the area, knows where to go, has all these great stories. Um, and it's just been, you know, but, uh, $600 up to four people. And it's like, it's your own Hummer and uh, a guide. So now and is this like, uh, is this like ice road truckers? Are you actually out on the glacier? <laughs> driving yes, around? yes, I'm actually out on the glacier, John. That's oh, exactly what cool. I'm doing. But uh, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful, though. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, the ship won the Norwegian Jewel, and uh, it's an interesting comparison from last year's uh, Disney right. Disney Cruise Line Alaska trip. And uh, I mean, so, you know, the, the 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 thing is, though, that for the the cost of two staterooms on the Jewel, I could have gotten one stateroom on the on the uh, on the Wonder. So. There are some trade-offs, but you know, so far it's been a, it's been a nice cruise. It's been a very nice cruise. The food's been fantastic. The food oh, has been—I got to say—the food, even in the main dining room or the buffet, the food has been excellent. And uh, just too many kids running around. Now, this uh, on this, ship. this Norwegian uh, ship that you're on—is this was this custom made for these Alaskan itineraries? Is there like a covered pool and all the all those amenities that go along with an Alaskan cruise, or is it more like the Disney cruise ships in that regard? No, it's not custom-made for this. Actually, this ship used to do the Hawaiian uh, sailings. So there's still some vestiges of that, I think, uh, throughout the ship. 
but no, it's definitely not. Uh, it's definitely not covered pools or anything like that up on deck. I think that's one of the reasons why we have, you know, there's there's like five or six hundred kids, children on the sailing, and they are running wild in the halls because the kids' clubs really aren't that great. There isn't that much structured, organized activities throughout the day for them. They really can't be out in the pool because, you know, on deck, uh, you know, it's 50 degrees. Uh, so they're just like running wild in the hallways. It's been my biggest complaint on, on the cruise so far. But, um, you know, staterooms are really nice. They're very comfortable. Uh, had an opportunity to go visit the medical center last night at 8 o'clock because I am having uh, what appears to be an allergic reaction to some medication that I'm on. Oh, no. And I broke, broke out in hives and my... Right hands swelled up, and um, I had to get uh, shots of Benadryl and cortisone, which is really, really a fun thing to do on your cruise to get shots in your butt. Yeah. But uh, and there goes all your spending and money, and then pay two hundred eighty dollars for it. Exactly. I mean, that was you know. Well, at least they didn't but, quarantine you to your room. What's that? I said at least they didn't quarantine you to your room. That's true. I guess I can look on the bright side. <laughs> so now, uh, Pete, you remember our our review of our Norwegian cruise and how weird the staterooms were. Anything weird about mm-hmm. this ship? No, this is a very traditional ship. Okay. This is, uh, I know it's been newly renovated, but there's nothing. Uh, it's actually an absolutely beautiful ship. I have to be honest. I'm, I'm really impressed with how, how nice it is. Uh, the public areas are, are beautiful. Uh, you know, layout is a little odd. It tends to, there seems to be a lot of bottlenecks. Uh, elevators are painfully slow. Takes forever to get an elevator anywhere on the ship. It's really weird. Uh, but you know, outside of that, I mean, it's really, it's really laid out nicely, and uh, I'm, I'm very happy with the ship. I'm very happy with the stateroom. Mom is having a great time, which is yeah. ultimately all that counts on this trip because this trip <laughs> is for her. Uh, but yeah, it's no, not. Uh, you know, I think the Epic, the the one that you had done. That's a brand new ship, and I think they were probably just, you know, being a little esoteric in their design choices. This is a more traditional cruise ship. That's a nice word for it. Esoteric. How many? Um, twenty nine hundred. Twenty nine hundred passengers on this ship, and we have a full. We have a full. Uh, a full load. Uh, this, this this cruise. What ports do you have to go to still? Uh, well, we did Catchacan. We're in Juneau. We go to Skagway, and we stop in Victoria. And we do, uh, I know they do go to one of the glaciers. I think later on today we leave, uh, we leave Juneau around 1 p.m. And then I think, and we're on the, ins- we're on the inside passage right now. And I know we go up to a glacier. I forgot which one it was. I don't think it's Tracy Arm. I think it's a different one, but we do go to a, they sail to a glacier later today. And then, uh, I believe tomorrow or the day, I think tomorrow might be a sea day. And then the day after that we're in Skagway, then Victoria, then back to, uh, Back to Seattle. Now, I know when you were last on an Alaskan cruise, you got a little adventurous with some of your excursions. Have you uh, done anything interesting this time around? And how does it compare to the Disney excursions? Well, you know, the, when I did the Alaska cruise last year, it was uh, we did the Adventures by Disney add-on, which uh, I I really I got to tell you, it makes a huge difference. I know it's expensive, but it makes a huge difference. Uh, not having to worry about those excursions and which ones you're going to do. This time I've got my mom with me, so no, we're not going to be doing any, we're not doing any helicopters or dog sledding, uh, this trip. But, uh, you know, I, 
I, I think this is probably better for her in terms of being able to go at her own pace. But uh, no, nothing, nothing crazy or adventurous, except you know, renting a Hummer for four hours. <laughs> Did you buy anything good? Not yet. Not really. We really, you know, we were in Ketchikan yesterday and didn't, you know, wasn't a lot there I wanted to buy. You and, came back uh, with that beautiful our, bag last time. Our, what's that? You came back with that beautiful bag last time. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, we asked the driver, though, uh, if there's any unique places to shop uh, while we're out to stop there as opposed to the touristy places. So hopefully he'll have a couple of couple of nice spots for us to do some shopping in. Excellent. That's something we've come to do quite a bit. We just did that on our Alaska, on our Canada cruise. Got off the boat and hired a car and drove us around. So in Halifax, we find that that's kind of a really cool way to see the to see the area. You know, and not, it is, it is, and at a hundred, you know, it's one hundred and fifty dollars a person for four people. That's not terrible. Not for four um, hours. When you look at no, when you look at the other shore excursions, and you know, you're you're you know, you've got your own driver, your own car. You can stop and go whenever you want. It's really nice. Where well, how'd really, you find really this nice. person? Did you did the boat suggest them? Did you find them when you got yes, off the boat? This was one. Of, this was one of the shore excursions that was available on the ship. They're very limited. Um, because they, they don't have like fleets and fleets of Hummers. So it's one of those things where if you're going to do it, you really should do it in advance. We didn't. We did it when we got on the ship. And we, fortunately, there was availability. I think the price tag scares a lot of people off. It kind of looked, when we looked at the shore excursion list, it kind of looked like it was $600 a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we asked, and they said, no, it was $600 for up to four people. So I think that might scare some people off, thinking it's a $2,400 excursion. Oh, yeah, but, I think that happens um, a lot with these, is that you know people are used to seeing 50 or 75 bucks a person for a shore excursion. We've done this in Paris and along the French Riviera. We ju- we've done it in New York, and we've done it in Halifax. And it absolutely gives you a, a, an opportunity to see and become familiar with where you are it also gives you the flexibility to go where you want to go yeah exactly exactly no it's really it's great it's absolutely great we're really having we're having a beautiful day today did you attend any of the entertainment on the ship did you go see any of the shows no <laughs> no all righty then there's my line of question no. I, I, I know you mentioned no, briefly no, you, oh, you know me i'm not a i'm not a I'm, you know i'm not big on, on cruise ship shows um, you know, with these things, what I like to do is I kind of like, just like to hang out. We spent some time in the casino. I got to be honest, the casino is a little bit of a disappointment only because it's small and the tables are packed and, you know, the uh, slot machines are packed. It's kind of, you know, kind of a pain. But, uh, you know, just really just kind of hanging out and catching up on sleep. And that's what I like to do on, on cruises like this. Understandable. Now, you had mentioned earlier that the food was all right. Do you have any uh, interesting experiences with the food so far on this ship? Not, you know, not really. i got to be honest. I mean, everything's been, everything's been really good. Everything's surprisingly yeah. good. This is my second time on a Norwegian ship, and I'm noticing this seems to be a, a pattern, that uh, the food, even in the, and there's a lot of signature restaurants, right. but uh, even the food in the, in, the, in the main dining room, the food in the buffet, Really good, well prepared, good quality, great taste. Um, the buffet area is a little bit of a, a a little bit of chaos. I mean, it's just the way it's laid out. People are just, especially at breakfast, it's very difficult to find a table, and people are just all over the place. It makes you know, cabanas look luxurious, doesn't it? 
What's that? It makes cabanas look luxurious, doesn't it? It does. It does. Cabanas is laid out much better. Uh, I have to say, cabanas is laid out much better on the new ships. But uh, now the food, I, I got to say, so far the food has been the food has been superb. We found and, almost uh, Norwegian props for that. We found almost the exact same thing on the Epic. The food in the restaurants was good. The food at the buffet was not so good. Correct. We didn't have a good experience there. But for the same reasons that you've mentioned. Yeah, like I said, so far so good. Yeah. So far so good. We did have uh we did go to uh one uh signature restaurant. I can't remember the name of it, but it's a Brazilian steakhouse. It's kind of like uh, Texas Day Brazil yeah. where the gazos come around with the skewers of meat and you know, you have the card red for stop, you know, I don't want any more food or green, please give me more food. Well apparently the gauchos are colorblind because I had red, I was done. I didn't want any more, and I had my card turned to red. And they kept coming up to me, asking me if I wanted food, and I would point to the card. Oh, okay. Then another one come up to you want food. I point to the card, and then the third one said, "I said, are you people colorblind? You tell me to turn the card over when I don't want any more food. It's red. I don't want any more food. Get away from me." You're supposed to hold that red card up in front of your face, by the way. You're supposed to put it on your forehead. Apparently, apparently, <laughs> I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to like cut them with it. Now uh, we we did that on our Norwegian. Was it Norwegian or Royal Caribbean? Which was the one where we did that? The Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean. And not only was it the gauchos bringing around the meat, it was the woman in the full. I don't even want to carnival say, costume. Carnival costume. With and the John's headdress. definition of a full costume. Only the parts that would be illegal to not have covered were covered. She was wearing almost nothing. But she had like the full peacock headdress and everything. I love people like that no, touching my food. We, no, we had no we had no drag queens running around <laughs> the uh well, the, the, what the good is it? It's a sucky cruise then if but, there's no drag queens on it. <laughs> Pete, is there anything else you wanna mention about the cruise that maybe we're not thinking of? No, not really. I mean just, you know, it's I am gonna have a full I'll have a full report when I get yeah. back home. Doing a comparison between this and last year's experience on the on the Wonder, so uh, either next week or the week after, depending on when I'm back in town, I can't remember my own schedule anymore. <laughs> uh, but uh, at some point in the next few weeks, I'll have a, a comparison between this experience and uh, doing Alaska on the Wonder. Yeah. Well, we hope you all have a good time and continue to have a good time. Enjoy it. Tell the kids We're on the, try. Tell the kids on the cruise that those icebergs taste really good. <laughs> they should go and lick one of them. <laughs> that should thin the hurt a little bit. Give your mom a hug for us too. I will do that. Thanks, guys. Have a good show. Talk to you later. Right. Thanks, Thanks, bye. 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 Take care. Bye. Okay, and again, we want to thank uh, Pete Werner for calling in. Now we're going to move on to roundtable rapid fire. Who would like to go first? Sean does. Oh. All right. <laughs> there you go, Sean. That's like being pushed into the pool. Yes. <laughs> All right, so uh, D23's Destination D took place this weekend out at Disneyland. And uh, we have some good coverage uh, from Tommy Bell. Uh, from Tom Bell. <laughs> Tommy Bell. Oh, he's Tommy now. <laughs> I was going to say Tommy mm. Sandvik. Oh, Tommy Bell. Uh, from Tom Bell. Uh, that's on our site. Um, and so this year's theme was uh, 75 years of Disney animated features. Uh, and it marks the 75th anniversary of the release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And so he has some good pictures of uh, some of the events. Dick Van Dyke was there. Alan Menken uh, performed a concert. Uh, there was some discussion about Disney's Nine Old Men. And there were also some appearances by the voice actresses and models for Snow White and Tinkerbell. Oh. Yeah. So it was really interesting. 
And uh, so I'll put a link up in the show notes for that. And uh, he also tweeted a bunch during the the events. So if you follow so the Diz on Twitter. Did he have a blog up for that? There is, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Very good. So you can go look up uh, Tommy Bell. Tommy Bell. <laughs> Tommy. I actually knew a Tommy Bell in college. But it's not this person. So. Okay. Kevin? There is going to be a change to Bistro de Paris. Okay. De Paris. Uh, on the Disney Parks blog, they announced that everyone, we all knew that um, Bistro was closing for a while. Right. And the creative director and chef for the restaurant, Jerome Bocuse, has actually answered some questions on the Disney blog. And one of the things that I think stood out was that the old bistro will be going away it's going to be a new dining room new name new costumes for the servers new menu the thing that i'm kind of hopeful is that they're still going for the um hot cuisine they're still going for a luxurious experience and that this is going to be based on the 200 years of experience his family has with french cuisine so i am hopeful that I would not want to see them, pardon my language, but to dumb this experience down. Uh, Bistro had a very classic, elegant feel to it. However, it wasn't specific. It didn't seem specifically French. Right. It had, To me, it had a very Mount Vernon kind of feel to it, Monticello. It was very classic. It reminded me of colonial American. And it struck me that you could go to a fancy dining room like this in just about any old hotel in a colonial American right. state. Uh, the waiters did wear tuxedos. However, I never felt out of place in theme park attire. It wasn't a standalone restaurant. You had to enter from inside of Epcot. So I think most of their clientele wore theme park attire. So the new one is going to be supposedly a more authentic experience. And I'm hoping that the menu and the tone remains the same. It was one of the few places in Disney where I actually felt you were transported to someplace else. It didn't, there wasn't a great deal of Disney involved in the decoration or, I mean, the only yeah. really way you knew where you were was the, the cast members had on Disney name tags. Yeah, I doubt they'll put, like, the Crush uh, TVs in there or anything like that. Right. I, yeah. You know, I don't want to deal with Ratatouille on, like, a screen or anything. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's happening is the current uh, patisserie is going to become an ice cream shop. Hmm. And they're building a new bakery uh, back by the entrance or the exit to the movie. I think that's a great idea. It's going to seat about 90 people. And they said besides the baked goods, they're going to have sandwiches and salads and things like that. Yeah, that's great. It's always so crowded in there. It is. I mean, they already have a few seats in that store back there. But if they kind of clear out that merchandise area, that's a huge space. Well, I don't think they should clear out the merchandise area. I really like that. But I think... um, They'll probably have to make it a little bit smaller. Well, yeah, to fit in 90 seats. (laughs) I think they're also expanding out towards the back. They said it is a brand new oven and they're going to bake the breads and pastries for all of the shops or all of the restaurants in France. So it'll be for chefs and the new bistro and their own location. I get really bitter when they change things I really like. So I'm going to try and be open-minded about this and hopeful that, I mean, French cuisine is a wide open experience. And if they can make it more authentic and still remain that sort of, I don't want to say exclusive. I mean, it's open to everybody, but that sort of elegant feel to it. And I think that's what this was. This was an elegant experience. However, I hope they take that elevator out and put in a real elevator. The only thing that keeps me hopeful is that uh, Jerome Bucou's had a hand in the original menu. 
So I don't think it's. I'm hoping that that quality and that taste level proceeds onto whatever he does new. And, and prior be, prior to that, it was Paul Bocuse who right. set up the menu. His father. Right. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that they don't dumb this down. I'm hoping that they don't. Well, not to be not to be flip, but they have sort of the Disney-fied French restaurant downstairs. Right. Yeah. So hopefully they keep it more of a fine dining French restaurant upstairs. Did, I this, agree. did this article give any kind of time frame on? Expected opening. They're talking about um, mid-December of this year. Mm-hmm. Wow! They said um, we all know how long it takes to get an oven delivered. <laughs> you know, wait for Sears to show up. And, <laughs> I, I think they said mid-December. I mean, they're doing a lot. If they're changing the costumes, they're probably going to yeah. change the decor a little inside. It's and the ice cream parlor is going to be called the the Glacier Ice Cream Parlor. Oh. Uh, Chefs de France is not changing. It's going to be a classic brasserie. They haven't changed the restaurant since it opened. Bistro has been the same. He says for twenty five years. Yep. If it's been the same since it's opened, it's been thirty years. Uh, they brought a chef from France who was. Who worked in a Michelin three-star restaurant. So that to me says, at least gives me hope. Right. And I hope it's a huge success. I think Bistro was an overlooked gem. Yeah. I think a lot of people didn't even know it was there. So I'm hoping that this has a, a positive effect on the food in France. I think it will. I hope so. John? All right. There are a ton of Disney Cruise Line uh, specials and discounts out there. So if you're willing to travel soon and you're uh, you're able to travel a little bit more, more flexible than most people, you are going to find some really good deals. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on for these California coastal sailings, September 16th through October 7th of 2012. Um, there's a Disneyland annual pass holder discount at that time, and then there are also discounted rooms that start at $5.99 per person for these seven-night sailings, which sound really, really cool. Yeah. They sound awesome. A um, whole bunch of other stuff going on. Uh, Disney Magic uh, discounts. A veranda staterooms, 4A through 7A, for only $130 per person per night on most five-night sailings on the Disney Magic in September of 2012. Wow. A lot of restrictions, though, on that one, so be careful. Um Seven-night Western Caribbean sailings on the Magic out of Galveston. Uh, inside staterooms for as little as $599 per person. Again, September 22nd through November 10th of 2012. If you live in Texas and can travel that time, that's a good deal. That's an yeah. awesome deal. And um, I forgot what I was going to say. It just went out of my head. Anyway. And then um, in addition to that, there are some specific... Uh, discounts out there. There's Florida resident discounts. These are popping up quite a bit lately. Again, September 6th, 13th, 20th, 27th, September 2nd, pretty much any three, four, five night sailing uh, in August or September seems to have a um, Disney, a Florida resident discount associated with it. And usually when you see a Florida resident discount, you also have military discounts. Yeah. So, don't be afraid to go out there and look for something, especially if you can travel soon. So to say, these are pretty last minute. These um, sailings. It happens this time every year. Yeah. Kids are back in school. They want to fill the ships. They want to do more to fill the ships. It's no secret that Disney's having trouble filling their uh, coastal cruises 
That's why they changed them to the Pixar theme. Mm-hmm. And there's no secret that these Galveston cruises are not selling as well as they could. Right. So those are not a surprise, but a lot of these three, four, and five nights out of Port Canaveral, they seem to be a surprise for me too. Yeah. But, um, one of the things that's always ongoing is if you have a Disney visa, you can get a $50 shipboard credit when you book a cruise using your Disney visa. You have to pay for the entire cruise uh, with that card. It doesn't all have to be paid at one time. Correct. You can break it up into right. payments, but the entire thing from deposit till the final payment has to be made on the same card. Correct. So if you're looking to cruise, if you can cruise soon, this is the time, people. Yes. Get there and do it. That's it for my rapid fire. Okay. And I just have a quick one. The uh, The Lion King suites at Art of Animation have recently opened. They opened on uh, August 10th. And uh, it's just the third phase in Art of Animation. I know I want to get over there soon. Um, you can uh, check out the Diz, our Art of Animation page, which is very detailed. Got segments of our podcast, videos, photos, all kinds of stuff. If you want to check out the new Lion King suites, um, they're pretty cool. And then, of course, um, the Little Mermaid's going to be opening up in September uh, 15th, I believe. And it'll finally be finished. Yeah. I went over last week to see the Lion King suites. Yeah, how was yeah. it? Nice. I took the pictures, actually. Oh, okay. Put them up on the site. <laughs> Um, yeah, they they look pretty cool. That's that section doesn't have a pool, right? That's the no Lion King doesn't. But they have a playground, the um, elephant graveyard. They do have a playground, but they have signs saying you're not supposed to climb on the the sculptures. So, so you're no playing every place the light touches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Simba. Wait, they have a playground you can't climb on. Well, they have a playground. It's like a. <laughs> it's kind of like the elephant graveyard. So yeah. it has like the bones and you could play inside. But there's like a Rafiki statue, a Simba statue, and you're not allowed to climb on them. So there's kind of a difference. So it's going to I think, going to be a little confusing because kids are going to want to climb all over. I was going to say. And what you're going to have to hire a full-time staff. Of yeah. course, yeah. Or so. they're going to have to put those spikes like they put on windowsills for birds. Oh, God. <laughs> Keep the kids from climbing on them. What's your job? I knock kids off the Rafiki <laughs> statue. Yeah. With a spray bottle. <laughs> Oh, like the cat. Oh, no, that sounds like a fun job. I think it should be a fire host. I think I want to volunteer now. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, thanks, everybody, for your rapid fire and everything in this segment. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you continue to listen to our other segments on this week's edition of The Diz Unplugged. Thank you, and please have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time.